Welcome. This is Raul Lowry Contreras. This is the Contreras Report USA, Issue 110. We're going to talk about the Supreme Court of the United States and how it manhandled the President of the United States on two very critical decisions, plus some decisions on freedom of religion that are very important. And Mr. Stone, was his prison sentence was commuted by the President of the United States. The White House is attacking Dr. Fauci, the best-known doctor in the country, who has been working with us as, as an expert on, on, on diseases. And the White House is attacking him because he disagrees with the President on a number of things. Many people disagree with the president on mail-in ballots. Well, uh, NPR did a study, and they came up with some interesting information, which we will discuss. A company that President Trump has tried to help and has, in fact, issued $1.7 billion worth of contracts to to build his wall on the Mexican border, Fisher Sand and Gravel Construction from South Dakota is building a faulty wall. Whoops! The United States attorney, appointed by President Trump, in South Texas is suing for shoddy work. The Trump administration is trying to abolish the OPM. As a retired banker, i got to tell you, I thought OPM meant other, other people's money. But in this case, it's the Office of Personnel Management of the federal government. I'll tell you about that. Secretary of State Pompeo rejects the Chinese communist claim to international territory in the South China Sea, but he doesn't just reject it and oppose it. He had the United States Navy send two aircraft carriers, an entire fleet down there, and they're operating in the South China Sea in territory claimed by the Chinese communists. Oh, boy. That is what I call an exercise in diplomacy. Mr. Trump deserves an attaboy for this one. The Brits, here's another one that uh, Trump deserves another uh, another attaboy. The Brits are banning Huawei, the Chinese company, H-U-A-W-E-I, from participating in the build-out of 5G, mobile phone system, etc., communication system uh, that is currently uh, being constructed around the world. The Chinese communist country company cannot participate. That was critical, and U.S. pressure caused that. China sanctions Senators Marco Rubio and Theodore Cruz. Actually, it's Rafael Cruz. I'll discuss that. They're doing that because we applied sanctions to three prominent Chinese officials who, because they're guilty of uh, crimes against humanity and how they're handling their Muslim population, the Uyghurs. The border restriction on the Mexican border will be extended another month. President Lopez Obrador of Mexico came to the United States, had a nice dinner, signed some paperwork, and has returned to Mexico, and he had a news conference, which we'll discuss. Did you know that President Trump asked about selling Puerto Rico? He does not like Puerto Ricans. He hates Puerto Rico. He hates Puerto Ricans. He really does. 
This is typical of a New York white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Puerto Ricans have never been held in favor by the New York WASP establishment, of which Donald Trump is a leading member of. He wanted to sell Puerto Rico. He asked if we could. At the same time, he was asking if we could buy Greenland from Denmark. <laughs> Tucker Carlson. By sheer chance, I know Tucker Carlson. We'll talk about that a little later. His number one scriptwriter, who wrote all of his important stuff on his popular Fox program at night at 5 o'clock Pacific time, 8 o'clock Eastern time, his number one writer is no longer his number one writer. He says he resigned. I think he was fired because CNN broke a story that labeled him a pure, sheer, unadulterated racist and homophobe. How do we know this? Because he posted on a website that caters to that kind of stuff under a pseudonym, Charles Twelfth. He got caught. He was Tucker Carlson's number one guy. Tucker admires these Ivy League graduates, of which he was not one, because they wouldn't accept him. But this guy, the writer, I won't mention his name, is a Dartmouth grad. It's interesting. You know, he's not the only suspect person on Fox at Fox News. Uh, Laura Ingram is also a Dartmouth graduate. And we're going to wind up with uh, my dealing with the commentary I wrote this week about a Spaniard business executive, a Spanish descent, descendant uh, uh, chief executive officer of a large company, saying complimentary things about Donald Trump, and he's gotten in trouble for it. He claims that uh, to criticize him is to attack freedom of speech. No, it's to criticize him. In any event, we shall proceed now with the program. And thank you so much for being there. I got to tell you, this is fun. This is so much fun. The United States Supreme Court. Donald Trump meet the United States Supreme Court. It decided unanimously, 9-0, that you don't have absolute immunity as president. And it ruled 7-2 that Congress can subpoena your financial documents and tax returns. All they got to do is write it properly, write the subpoena properly. So there, there will be some paper shuffling in the lower courts and in Congress, but your goose is cooked, Donald. Your information will land in Congress and in the New York grand jury. If there's anything illegal in there, and we know there is, we know there is because Michael Cohen, your former lawyer for 10 years, told us so, swore under oath that your documents will show laws that were broken. You've broken state and federal laws. You may be able to pardon yourself by January 20th at high noon, say at 11.55 in the morning uh, in New York or uh, Washington time. You may be able to pardon yourself to keep from being charged with federal crimes, but you cannot pardon yourself from future state action and that New York grand jury is not a federal grand jury. It's a state grand jury, a state grand jury that's going to find that you dicked around with your uh, foundation and you broke a bunch of laws. They're going to get you for it. The documents 
and tax returns that the Supreme Court is okaying to be relayed to these people? It is the evidence. No matter what happens on November 3rd, Election Day, your goose is cooked, and so is your son, Eric, because he signed a check that was used illegally to silence your lover, Stacy, whatever her name was, the porn star. Roger Stone, the Attorney General of the United States, General Barr, says that Stone was properly convicted and sentenced, and the sentence recommended was adequate and okay, and that he did not favor any pardon or commutation. President Trump commuted anyway the sentence before Stone wound up in jail, which he would have wound up on, on Tuesday um, this week. Of course, the announcement came in the Friday night news dump, you know, like after 7 o'clock on Friday night in Washington, D.C. Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany screwed up in her press release saying Stone is charged with alleged crimes. No, he was convicted of those crimes, so they weren't alleged. Oh, yeah, he was originally charged with these crimes. That's an allegation. But he was convicted by a jury, Kaylee, by a jury of his peers. That resulted, the president says that that conviction, or that you say that the president says, that that conviction resulted solely from Robert Mueller's improper investigation. Well, it wasn't improper, Kaylee. He was convicted, Stone was. Roger Stone was treated unfairly, the president said, as were many others in the case. Roger Stone, the president says, is now a free man. Barr said the prosecution was righteous. Now, Nancy Pelosi and her House Democrats want to limit the pardon powers of the president. She calls commutation, quote, staggering staggering corruption. Remember, his sentence was commuted because he was convicted of lying to Congress in defense of the president who commuted his sentence. That, ladies and gentlemen, is corruption. The White House is now extending its attack mode towards Dr. Anthony Fauci. Kaylee McEnany says, no, that's not the case. But the facts are different. An anonymous White House official sent reporters a long list of, quote, mistakes Dr. Fauci has made during the pandemic crisis. Dan Scavino, the White House Deputy Chief of Staff for Communications, shared a cartoon on Facebook depicting Dr. Fauci as a faucet flushing the economy down the drain. President Trump claims to have a very good relationship, quote, unquote, with Dr. Fauci. I like him personally. All this, he's saying this while his henchmen are, are attacking Fauci with reporters and on Facebook. Well, President Trump says if, if the whole country goes to mail in balance, that there will be so much corruption, they'll steal the election from him. And he's now offering his proof 
A study done by NPR National Public Radio that showed that 1%, maybe 65,000, mail-in ballots were rejected for counting around the country during the primary season. Rejected because they didn't arrive, af- they arrived after Election Day. In California, where I am and where I vote by absentee, you have until 8 o'clock Election Day to get that ballot in. You can mail it before and hope that it gets there in time, or you can drop it off at a po- any polling place. Filled out, ready to go. Trump says his election, the election, will be stolen from him by mail in ballots. Of course, he votes by mail. Obama tweeted, President Barack Obama, former president, tweeted, quote, voting by mail shouldn't be a partisan issue especially during a pandemic. Everybody should be able to request an absentee ballot and make their voice heard in every election. That is so true. Now, there's a company in South Dakota that is a real Trump-loving company. It's called Fisher Sand and Gravel. They appear, the, their owner appears on Fox News all the time, begging the government to give him contracts to build Trump's wall on the Mexican border. Well, a private group got together and raised some money, and they hired Fisher Sand and Gravel to construct a wall, a wall along the Rio Grande on property the, the private group arranged for it. They paid Fisher Sand and Gravel around $400 million to build this wall of, I don't know, three, four miles. Originally, the company said it would build 30 miles of fencing. However, its product so far, three miles, is badly constructed and is endangered by erosion caused by the construction. So far, three miles of wall have been built in the Cabeza Prieta National Wildlife Refuge in Arizona. In Texas, the Texas U.S. Attorney for South Texas has filed a lawsuit demanding the wall, that wall that he's suing about, be fixed or torn down and rebuilt at the expense of Fisher Sand and Gravel. When reports surfaced that there was shoddy work, President Trump, who pushed on behalf of the company to get contracts, $1.7 billion worth of contracts, tweeted that the substandard product project never had his support and was undertaken to, quote, make him look bad, unquote. Quote, I disregard what with doing this very small, (coughs) excuse me, tiny section of the wall in a tricky area by a private group which raised money by ads. It was only done to make me look bad, and perhaps it now doesn't even work. Should have been built, like the rest of the wall, 500 plus miles. Whoa, Mr. President, you haven't built 500 miles of wall. You've built around 420 miles, rebuilt, Replaced old fencing, but not new fencing. This project was a $400 million project in Arizona. 
The U.S. Attorney Ryan Patrick, the U.S. Attorney for South Texas, initiated the federal government's lawsuit against Fisher and Company. He says, quote, what they built is one step beyond vaporware. We said it was too close to the water. Erosion would be an issue. The location made no sense, etc. Now we risk the thing falling down in a big storm or flood. OPM. OPM does not mean other people's money, as I first thought when I heard the phrase. OPM is the Federal Office of Personnel Management. Trump wants to abolish it. It regulates federal workers. It enforces the Federal Hatch Act, which keeps politics out of employee, the federal employees' service. When the U.S. Civil Service was established back in the 1880s, the entire federal workforce was personally hired by politicos, hired and fired, patronage it was called. Even then, the workforce was bent and controlled by evil people. President Woodrow Wilson, for example, the worst racist to serve as president since the Civil War ended in, uh, in 1865, he segregated the civil, the federal workforce that was fully integrated by Republican presidents before Wilson. He would not let white workers work in the same room with black workers. Can you imagine that? Trump wants to abolish the Office of Personnel Management. It manages, among other things, the government's merit-based personnel system, all two million plus people. It is a corrective oversight it has a corrective oversight function to all federal agencies and keeps them inside the law instead of breaking the law. It manages pay policy. It administers health and retirement benefits for current and retired federal workers and dependents. It's an important agency. You don't hear too much about it, but it's there. And now he wants to abolish it and take parts of what it does and scatter them around through other federal agencies. Already the courts have said no. You can't do that. And he's going to try anyway. China is demanding recognition of its territory in the South China Sea. The trouble with it is it's not its territory. They've taken and landed troops and construction workers on islands without people on them and built airfields and a naval base and all kinds of stuff they've spent They've spent trillions of dollars in doing this. And then they claim the territories are wrong because they're there. Now, why is this important? It's important because $5 trillion worth of goods and oil are shipped through the South China Sea to China and Korea and Japan. And then their products shipped east. Okay, that's $5 trillion worth of goods and oil shipped through the South China Sea. Japan depends on its oil from the Middle East. It has no oil reserves of its own. The area is claimed also, is also claimed by the Philippines, Vietnam, Brunei, Malaysia, Taiwan, and the Chinese Communists. It is a very strategic part of the world. Something like 50% of the world's trade goes through there. Hovering above the thousands of square miles of open seas are the Chinese communists. They claim the entire area. 
They have taken shoals and islands, uninhabited, and built naval bases and airfields. This, despite international tribunals ruling that China has no legitimate claims to the area. They're there anyway. World trade depends on this area. But, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says, uh uh. And of course, he's representing President Trump. So, thank you, President Trump, for stepping up and doing something about this. What are you guys doing? The U.S. Navy is there. Two aircraft carriers are there functioning, pl- putting up planes in the air, helicopters, patrolling the area, and they're doing it as international waters. The U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says the fleet is strengthening U.S. policy. Remember the old, uh, the old uh, phrase that the military or war is just an extension of diplomacy. Pompeo says, quote, Beijing claims to offshore resources across most of the South China Sea are completely unlawful as it is camp- its campaign of bullying to control them, as is its campaign of bullying to control them. Busted, China, busted. Ah, another bit of busting China. The Brits have finally agreed with us, and they're banning Huawei's H-U-A-W-E-I communications company participation in building out the new 5G system. US has, the U.S. has been pressuring uh, Great Britain to do this, and at first they were reluctant. And then they bent a little bit, and finally they're uh, green with the U.S. Chinese Huawei is a national security threat. The Brits had welcomed Huawei before because Huawei went in there and they didn't charge much. They, they gave huge discounts because they wanted to build the system that they then could tap into for the Chinese communists. The Chicoms want to take over the whole 5G system all over the world, just like they took Hong Kong by deceit. The ban will extend construction of the British 5G system network by two years, but so what? China sanctions U.S. senators. Marco Rubio and Rafael Theodore Cruz of Texas and Representative Chris Smith, Republican of New Jersey, because they have said things about China that the Chinese communists don't like. And they've sponsored legislation that would punish China's actions, violations of of, uh, human human law, What they've done, allegedly, is put a million Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps. That's violating the human rights. They're violating human rights, the Chinese communists. We're not letting them get away with it. The border, the Mexican border, yes. The restrictions on non-essential travel from Mexico to the United States is being extended another month until August 21 and will probably continue for another month after that because the pandemic is getting worse in the United States. It's not getting better. President Lopez Obrador visited Washington, D.C. for two days, and he managed 
and when he returned to Mexico in a news conference to keep his head down by not antagonizing President Donald Trump. He says, <laughs> Lopez Obrador says, and I have to laugh, he has no opinion on Donald Trump's wall. Says subject didn't come up in his meetings with, Tr with Trump on his visit to D.C. Many critics in Mexico criticized Obrador from, for going to Washington, D.C. to visit Trump because Trump is highly unpopular in Mexico. And his critics, and Obrador's critics, think that Obrador going there and saying nice things about the USMCA, the new trade deal, and about uh, Trump uh, will uh, irritate a lot of uh, Mexicans who do not like Trump. Lopez praised Trump because Trump, quote, spoke of 36 million Mexicans in the United States, unquote. Yeah, but did he, did he call them to you, President Lopez Obrador, did he call them rapists and criminals and drug smugglers, but that some were good people, unquote? Did he say those things? The visit was focused on the free trade agreement, Lopez Obrador said. We care very much about. That, that's true. Did you know that President Trump asked advisors if he could sell Puerto Rico? He's so fed up with Puerto Ricans. He has never liked them, never liked them. Forty years ago, he and his father were sued for violating federal law about equal housing for Puerto Ricans and blacks. And he, they admitted it. I mean, they settled that admitted it. And it cost them millions of dollars. Trump has not liked Puerto Ricans ever since. He's the typical New York white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. They don't like Puerto Ricans. They don't like them at all. Former Acting Secretary of Homeland Security Elaine Duke says Trump raised the topic of divesting, quote unquote, or selling, quote unquote, Puerto Rico. Quote, the president's initial ideas were more as a businessman, you know. Can we outsource the electricity? Can we sell the island, do you know, or divest of that asset? Yeah. And then he wanted to buy Greenland. Remember that? Okay, now we're going to talk about Tucker Carlson. As it happens, I personally know Tucker Carlson and I know his father, who is now a former or retired ambassador, former president of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. And before that, uh, it was uh, uh, director of the uh, Voice of America. And before that, he was a vice president of Great American Federal Savings and Loan in San Diego, which went under while he was vice president. And before that, he was a Channel 8, CBS Channel 8 television reporter in San Diego. And before that, he was a United States Marine. So we have that in common. Samper Fi, Richard. Now, he ran for mayor against my candidate, Roger Hedgecock, who was running for re-election while he was under indictment, by the way, uh, for which he finally uh, copped a plea to. But um, um, Carlson ran against him, and uh, Carlson was a little overweight. We put up bumper stickers, no fat mares, and uh, went after Dick. Uh, he married well. His wife uh, left him, the mother of Tucker Carlson and his brother, and... Uh, 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 Richard, uh, Dick Carlson, uh, was raising 
the two boys by himself when he met and married uh, an heiress to the Swanson Frozen Food Company. Things changed. Suddenly, he was a millionaire, and so was Tucker. Tucker is worth approximately $10 million today. It all came from, from his family, from his stepmother, who apparently he loves very much. They lived here in San Diego, and Tucker Carlson was a student at the La Jolla Country Day School, which is a, a uber private and fancy school for rich kids. And one day, without notice and warning, he was grabbed up by his father and shipped almost 3,000 miles away to a boarding school for boys. Uh, boarding school, it turned out it, it was uh, for both boys and girls. St. George's School in Rhode Island. He did not attend Harvard or Yale, which one would expect, because they turned him down, despite his stepmommy's money. Nonetheless, he attended the snooty Trinity College, from which George Will graduated in Connecticut, in Hartford, Connecticut, as a matter of fact. So Dick Carlson married very well. He ran for mayor, and we laughed him out of town. His son Tucker was practically kidnapped by his family and shipped out. We don't know why publicly, why Tucker Carlson was shipped across the country to a boarding school, but I can tell you from my own personal knowledge that I know why. And it's also the reason why he doesn't like Mexicans. Anyway, Tucker Carlson on Mexico. When the, quote, when the United States is attacked by a hostile foreign power, it must strike back and make no mistake, Mexico is a hostile foreign power, unquote. Now, that is a very, very stupid statement. San Diego Mayor Pete Wilson filed lawsuits in federal court, several of them, uh, trying to get the court to agree with them that, that the illegal alien Mexican traffic was into the United States was an invasion. The court said no. An invasion is military. This is not military. This is social and economic. Tucker Carlson has said on his very popular Fox nighttime show, primetime show that replaced uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly's show, mass immigration makes the U.S. quote, dirtier, unquote, and quote, poorer, unquote, and more, quote, divided, unquote. Quote, Tucker Carlson has said, unregulated mass immigration has badly hurt this country, this country's natural landscape, unquote. That would be fine, actually, if it were true. But first of all, it's not true. Secondly, there was no unregulated illegal alien traffic. There was illegal alien traffic in which hundreds of thousands and millions of people were arrested and deported. Yes, they kept coming. But really, when you stop thinking about it, it wasn't that many. Now, since 1924, Mexicans that don't have proper paperwork coming to the United States are illegally in the United States when they get here, okay? Since 1924, that's 96 years ago. In 96 years, a population has grown of, of illegal aliens in the United States has grown to about 11 or 12 million people, according to the Trump administration itself. And only half of those are Mexican. 
And the majority of illegal aliens that come into the United States now are through visa, legal visas. They overstay their visas. But people like Tucker Carlson want you to, or Laura Ingram, a Dartmouth grad, they want to say that the whole country is being sabotaged by, by these very people, except for one thing. If half of the 12 million are Mexican, that's 6 million, what's 6 million, the percentage of 330 million people? Hmm? Hmm? It's less than 4%. Probably even less than that, because nobody knows for sure. So what we have is a situation, ladies and gentlemen, where Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram are full of crap. How can 2 3% of the population change the course of this country? They can't. They're not entitled to welfare. They're not entitled to public benefits. They're not entitled to Medicare or Medicaid. They're not entitled to everything that legal people are, and yet they manage. Somehow, they work hard. They take jobs that Americans won't touch with a 10-foot pole. And you have to wonder, come on, come on, what, what the heck is wrong here? Why are these people crying wolf? Well, they're crying wolf because they're racist jerks. Yes, Tucker Carlson's a racist jerk. And Laura Ingram is too. And they hate Mexicans. Now, I don't know why Laura Ingram hates them, but I know why Tucker Carlson hates them. It's the reason why he was yanked out of La Jolla Country Day and shipped across country. I won't get into any detail because really shouldn't. That happened when he was a child, when he was in junior, junior high. And he has since redeemed himself by marrying a woman and having four kids. <laughs> anyway, these two guys are racist. So why am I talking about Tucker Carlson? Number one, he replaced Bill O'Reilly, who I happen to like and was on his show once. And he has taken that time slot and turned it into the number one cable program in the country. I congratulate him for that success. What I don't congratulate him for is the stupid words that he uses and the stupid positions that he takes. Someone has to stand up to Tucker. Now we know that his chief writer, a Dartmouth grad, his chief writer that wrote his opening commentaries for his show that he does every, every day, Monday through Friday, was posting racist and homophobic posts on a website that lives and breathes off of racism and homophobia. He did so under a pseudonym of Charles Twelfth, And he was busted by CNN, by one reporter at CNN who tracked it down, put it all together, hit the air with it, and it, it hit on a Friday, and Tucker Carlson didn't hardly mention it at all. Then on the following Monday, he had a, a couple minutes that he spent, oh, he, he posted things that weren't nice and weren't right and we're sorry to see that it happened, blah, blah, blah. But not once did he say the guy posted racial crap. Not once. He basically did a backhanded compliment that how brilliant the guy is. And his career was ruined. Well, who in the hell ruined his career? 
Mr. Neff, N-E-F-F, ruined his career by being a racist jerk publicly. You can be a racist jerk all you want, but just don't say it out loud where people like me can hear it. Okay? So, let me wind up with my commentary for the week that was published around the country, and we'll get to it right now. This commentary is written for my regular newspapers that I, around the country that run me, and you're hearing it before, well, you may be hearing it before they publish. They'll be published in a couple of days around the country, mostly by the Hispanic papers. And the title is The Spanish Are Spanish by Raul Lowry Contreras, July 14th, 2020. I have never bought any Goya food products. Reasons? Outside of Spanish rice, parentheses yellow, on close parentheses, and paella, a steamed seafood and rice combination, I can't think of any Spanish food that I enjoy. Granted, it's better in general than other than Italian-European food, but Mexican food is superior to any other than Italian food. So, the slobbering, admiring comments complimenting President Donald J. Trump by the chairman of Goya Foods, Robert Inanue, neither impressed or insulted me. Goya has 4,000 employees and numerous food products. It is successful. It is not, however, successful because 63 millions of people of Spanish origin, American, Hispanic, slash Latinos, flock to local bodegas and supermercados to buy Goya foods. Some in the eastern U.S. do. East Coast Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Venezuelans, number total maybe 10, 12 million people plus the Puerto Ricans of Puerto Rico. That's fine, but it is not dispositive of the national market for Hispanic food. My guess is that more Mexican food products, there is a difference between them and Goya's foods, more Mexican food products are sold in California alone than all the Goya products sold nationally in any given week or month. Reason? There are more Mexican-origin people within sight of Los Angeles City Hall than all the Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Cubans, Central and South Americans in the USA combined. And unlike the East Coast, there are myriad and numerous Mexican food product companies headquartered in California, plus hundreds of Mexican food products imported from next door, Mexico. Mexican food is superior to Spanish food, to Caribbean food to Central American food, and to South American food. Occasionally, one finds a Cuban restaurant in California, or a Salvadoran or Guatemalan one in Los Angeles, but no Puerto Rican restaurants that I've ever seen. On the other hand, there are countless Mexican sit-down or fast-food restaurants in California. Countless is spelled C-O-U-N-T-L-E-S-S, -S, period. If I said a million or two tacos a day were sold in Southern California, or a million or two breakfast burritos, or a million or three Mexican combination plates just for lunch, would I be wrong? Probably not. On top of it all, we Mexicans cornered the market of God's greatest gastronomic food, the avocado. In second place, the Mexican papaya that can weigh several pounds. 
And then, of course, ta-da-ta-da, -da -da, the jalapeno chile. There's political considerations why Chairman Unanue did little to help President Donald J. Trump with registered voting Hispanics. His grandfather, Prudencio Unanue Ortiz, was Spanish. He married a Puerto Rican-born woman whose parents came from Spain. There is no indigenous DNA in this family. An episode in my family's history reflects dealing with Spaniards. I have Spanish blood as part of my 49% European blood, along with Italian, German, French, British, and even some Greek. My other 49% is indigenous Amerindian, American Indian. American Indian means any Indians in the Western Hemisphere, okay? Don't give me this America versus Canada versus Mexico. The Spanish that colonized the Americas were racist, far more racist than the British who followed the Spanish by 100 years. Race was as important to the Spanish as it was to 1930s Germany. The Spanish established 16 different racial classifications. Number one in the racial legal pecking order were the peninsulares, those born in Spain. The American-born criole, sons and daughters of those born in Spain. Then came the mixed Spanish-slash-Indian, the mestizo. Then various mixes of whites and blacks, blacks and Indians, blacks half-black and half-Indian was called a zamba. And finally, at the very bottom of the racial of the Spanish racial pyramid, the 100% Indian. Goya Foods was founded in 1936, the same year the Spanish Civil War broke out. It lasted three years. Millions died. Many Spaniards on the losing side left Spain for Mexico, where they were welcomed by the leftist Mexican government that supplied rifles and arms to the Spanish communists loyalist forces that lost the war. Many Mexican families, like mine, welcomed Spanish refugees into their homes. Most had nothing when they stepped off the boat in Veracruz. My great-grandmother volunteered our huge six-bedroom house at number 32 Calle Jalapa in the Tony Colonia Juarez to house two Spanish families next to us. I'm told that these Spanish refugees didn't appreciate my great-grandmother, my 13-year-old mother-to-be, and my 11-year-old uncle. They called them Indios, Indians, and Campesinos, peasants, and horrors of horrors, horror of horrors, Catholic fanatics, because we went to church. They refused to eat Mexican food, calling it garbage. I wouldn't be born for another year, so I missed these pleasantries. From the time I joined my great-grandmother for café con leche, milk with coffee, at dawn every morning, I heard all about the Spanish and what, quote, ungrateful, ungracious, unlikable, unquote, people they were. I was five years old. So allow me some leeway in how much attention I pay to Spaniards, including, of course, Robert Unanue, chairman of Goya Foods. I don't buy and eat their food, and I don't vote for anyone they suggest I vote for. The end. Hey, thank you so much for being there, and I really appreciate these few minutes we get to spend, and I trust that you appreciate them too. 
Until next time, this is Raul Lowry Contreras. This is the Contreras Report USA, issue 110. Thank you.